Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostu. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life with Your Dog. We are in a new studio today. Yeah, this is my uh, this is my living room. So <laughs> I got a bit of the home office setup going on in there, and it's a bit of a hassle to have to like move it around a lot. So I thought let's try uh, you know something different. I have to say I'm quite comfortable sitting on this couch. Nice, bro. So we'll see how we go. Yeah, and and and, the, and our viewers can let us know if the conversation was any different, whether we sit on a couch or not. Yeah, hopefully it um it's not. Yeah, hopefully it's acceptable for yeah listeners. well the aircon's running and i don't know normally it's like we got to stop but no nah, microphone's a bit different so yeah. anyway how you been my brother good man it's been a while since the people have heard your voice yeah we've uh come through another lockdown um it's nice to see you in person too yes no more zoom for now zoom sucks it, like yeah. look it does its purpose I, I appreciate it but yeah i mean it, it changed the game like you know we uh we probably wouldn't have gotten through the pandemic without a technology like that. That's true. So we do be grateful. 100%. Well, look, you know, they did it before and I'm sure... Look, one thing I did learn out of all the shit that happened is that we are highly adaptable creatures Mm. and it's very uncomfortable. And then once we, once the adaption happens, once we change, for us, we had to change back again. Mm. And that's where there was a bit of an upset for me anyway, mentally for like a week and a half. Mm -hmm. And um, that's why we have structure Mm -hmm. and routine in our life to keep everything together and our responsibility. And I think that's really important. And, um, and that's pretty cool how we see habit forming habit form. Like what is a habit? A habit is just consistent behavior that gets some sort of benefit over and over again. And if you can find a way to make it work, then that's our new way of normal. Mm -hmm. And actually I've been pulling up people on, on normal because it's been doing my head in lately. They're like, Oh, is it, is it normal? normal. Like, Oh, is it normal for my, for my dog to do that? And I'm just like, bah, I'm like, first of all, normal is a bad benchmark. Who, well, whose definition, <laughs> like, what are we basing normal on anyway? What does that actually mean? Normal is just what happens. Whatever just occurs mm, that's what I'm is saying. normal, right? Like, that's, it's always good to reframe it. Like, yes. if someone asks a question like that, it's like, well, what's normal yeah. for you or what's normal for your dog? So then when I the dog- get it, what they're, they're asking you as a professional, you come into their house and they're like, it's like when you go to the doctor and- you show the doctor something, you're like, is this normal? Mm-hmm. And the doctor should, we're not doctors, but you know what I'm saying? Like, they're paying you for your opinion, mm-hmm. right? So, they're like, yeah, is this okay kind of thing? Well, yeah. They're looking for that validation. I will say, me. what's desirable? Mm. Because is it normal for a dog to bite? Well, yeah. And then, but is it desirable for your dog to bite? Now, you'd say, if my dog bites, bad dog. Mm-hmm. But if the dog that works with the police doesn't bite, that's a bad dog. Mm -hmm. So, what's normal is representative of what it is that you find desirable and is it something that you want to procreate or recreate, sorry. Procreate. (laughs) Don't do that. That was a slip. Yeah. (laughs) But also, um, thinking about, so when I say normal, and I think the boys on the Canon Paradigm were talking about an episode similar and and Glenn referred to like Morticia Adams saying how like, you know, what's, yeah, like what's normal to the spider is chaos to the fly, right? So normal, but normal sucks because normal is just what happens. So Mm -hmm. even outside of dog training, is that normal? Is it not normal? It's kind of a way of thinking, can I, is this okay? Mm. And should I change it? Mm. I would say, is it something that you like? And they say, no. I'm like, well, then let's fix it. Let's change it. And, and the, and it was framed around the Frenchies lunging at dogs. 
And no, no, she knows. Is it normal that some people that my dog meets, she lunges at? Like, is it normal? And I'm like, oh, like, well, how do you even answer that? In, There's in a lot to unpack there. Heaps to unpack. Mm. So I say, forget about normal. And then, but she kept on saying normal and says, obviously, I have, her habit to ask, is that normal? And I'm like, no more normal because now I catch people's words on how they say things. Language is very important, eh? For sure. The way that we talk to ourselves, the way we talk to our dogs, mm-hmm. the way we talk to each other, particularly our dogs. Like well, like, why is it important? Because we choose certain words for a reason, mm-hmm. you know? Otherwise, why say one word over another? I'll, I can, I'm going to try to pull up a quote and watch your habit. So, basically, words are reflections of how you think and how you believe. Mm. So, when we say a word, it's like, oh, they're just words. They're just sem- semantics. Mm. Um, don't worry about it. And I'm like, well, maybe or maybe not. And mm. I think I'm going to find it now. So, bear with me, people. Here it is. A Sun Tzu quote. Mm-hmm. Watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. Watch your character because it becomes your destiny. So somewhere in amongst all that whole process, words are powerful because it's how we are thinking and it's a reflection or it's a manifestation of that. So even though I do pull up people like, oh, watch your, what, how you say that there, only because it changes the way you think because you have to correct your word or oh, normal. Is it what I like? Oh, actually, I don't like. Oh, I should do something about it. So it does change the way you act if you can catch yourself on how um, how you are verbally expressing yourself. Mm-hmm. So that normal thing is, and it, it, I guess it's only annoying to me because I'm hearing it. I'm trying to change it, but when everyone else comes to me, it's not normal for me to think like this. So then, any dog trainers are listening, make sure that whatever it is that you think is normal, don't make it. Don't project yourself onto others and then like, well, how do you not get this? Yeah. I say this every day. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, I don't hang out with you every day. How am I supposed to know this? Mm-hmm. And it can also be another thing when you live with, you know, your partner or your family, you're being well equipped. You're listening to this right now. And I'm assuming maybe not the whole family is listening to this. So then you're listening to similar content like this often, making it your normal. And then when you see things that you don't like, what's not desirable to you, like, come on, stop doing that. And then you get more angry than you have to. And people don't understand why. And that's obviously because you're passionate, but also frustrated because it's not others normal. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Mm. It's it's a good point what you said about like being, um, you know, patient and that kind of thing. Like, especially as co- as coaches, like, uh, you know, I was just before you got here, I was um, just responding to an inquiry and, you know, I was explaining to the, the guy, like for the first for you know, for a puppy, the first lesson, it's we don't we don't teach obedience to really young puppies. Like it's more the first lesson is more about the owners than anything else, mm-hmm. right? And so answering their questions, like what's their new normal now, and mm-hmm. instilling our knowledge on them. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, of course. You know, and then guiding them rather than do just do that. No, no, absolutely. I, that, that's the biggest. I would say that's one of the biggest things that um, becoming a dog trainer has taught me is like. Um, I love teaching. I really enjoy it. And um, like having that sense of patience with someone mm-hmm. because they've taken the time and the money mm-hmm. to, you know, and put their hand up and say, hey, I would like to be um, coach. I would like to have some assistance, right? And to be really patient in instilling that knowledge on them mm-hmm. because most people just kind of like we, we see the minority of dogs. That's mm-hmm. what we've got to remember. We yep, probably only see one or 2% of dogs, mm-hmm. whether they're a, quote-unquote problem dog or whatever, or it's a 
puppy mm-hmm. um, and like a really good proactive owner who, who, who takes the time again and the money True. to put invest into learning the right skills and set them and their self, you know, set themselves and the puppy up for long-term success. Totally. I think that's really admirable. And, and I always go into like a, um, a lesson with that mindset mm-hmm. being like, these guys just want to, you know, and, and often they are like, like a sponge. They're just like, tell me, tell me everything, right? Yeah. Without, and then striking that balance between like being too nerdy or too technical, you know, and you can tell like some clients are more into the theory and mm-hmm. some are just like, hey, can you just like teach me how to walk my dog kind mm-hmm. of thing? And- exactly. And they're not overwhelming, even if it's layman terms, even if it's too much content, mm. then even if they've, te- they've listened and they're keen, they may not even, well, they're definitely not going to absorb all of it. What mm. is it like 60%? It's been forty percent. You can see it right like when you're talking. That's how I gauge it as well. Yeah. When I'm coaching them, you can see it in their eyes. Like, mm. is this kind glaze of sticking? Over. Yeah, yeah, not, not yeah. Glaze over. I probably would have said that too. But like, it's it's not like they're bored. But it, to- it totally makes sense. Like, yeah. it's a lot to take in, and at the same time, we're trying to well, train it's paralysis the well. by analysis, right? Like a little bit too much, and it kind of locks you up. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm still trying to catch that thing. And you're like, oh, but we just got started. Yeah. yeah, I feel And you're saying. just onto the next topic, and they're still trying to like yeah. catch the last one. Exactly. And I guess that's why one thing that my dad um, always said to me when he was like helping clients with, with his job would be, he, he wouldn't just go, do you, ask, do you understand? And they say, yes. Like, well, then like tell me what it is. Yeah. Or like one thing that I learned like with Sensei at the end of a class would be um, everyone give an observation of your class. Like, what did you learn today? Mm-hmm. And then you knew he was going to ask you that. So you like have to like be conscious or like remember something. And it's more like actually testing what they've learned. Yeah. Like we're good. Like, did you actually, like you may have heard me, but did yeah. you, were you listening enough to understand it? Yeah. And if you didn't, it's fine. It's actually probably my bad. That's actually, and this is something that I've learned as well is like coaching someone else is also one of the fastest ways to become better at something. Mm-hmm. So like the more you and I and any other dog trainer, coaches a human into train training their dogs the better i would argue the better dog trainers we generally become as well 100 because you have not there's a difference between um training a dog and teaching someone to train a for dog. sure and again i think that's where anyone becomes an actual dog trainer is actually by doing the process mm. but more than that it's that well why does that be because for me and i knew that i how, how i started back back in the day was it was just practical. Like it was just, there's dogs there and you do things and it just, you move them in the kennels and you clean them and you just have your way of doing stuff. And then attaching the theory to it made it like, Oh wow. Oh, Oh my God, that makes sense. And then like, it, and it, for me, that's how it was, but that didn't make me good at training. Mm. What made it good was then doing the thing. They're going awesome. I give it back to them. Like, Oh, see, I do it because it's muscle memory. But now you have to break down every step, do it, think about it, retrace yep. it, or I try that. And then over time, it becomes your way of doing it, but then every person- You every- have to explain the individual steps for something that you've done so many times, it's just become muscle memory. Exactly. It's like as soon as I put hands on a leash, you know you know what to do with it because we've done it hundreds oh, of thousands of times. You've, exactly. You've done it millions of times but, at this point after yeah. a decade. But like, you know, there's for me, there's no other way to handle a leash because I was taught a certain way by you and by Glenn. Yeah. And- but then for someone like your, your your average owner, like like I had a I have a client at the moment who was put in hospital by her dog because of the way she was holding the leash and yeah, the dog wow. pulled her over and hurt her knee and her shoulder yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like because she 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 didn't know what she didn't know, right? Mm-hmm. No one had ever shown well, her. Well also how, to how do many it. times I've been injured 
and then going, yeah, that doesn't work, <laughs> or that yeah. didn't work for this dog, or yeah. whatever. So yeah, there is a lot of trial and error for, for both sides of the lead to learn. Ooh, too much, too little, not enough, whatever, whatever. But I guess it does remind you of like if you were to practice a technique, let's just say it was like a wrestling move or something, you may like go in for for the takedown and take the leg and do whatever, and and you, and you do the thing naturally because when someone moves, like you know how to move with them. Mm. It just, it's a very intuitive process. But then to like break it down and teach it, that's where technique becomes a real important thing to refine because you're not just understanding the technique for the technique. You understand the technique for the whole art. Mm-hmm. And because it, because the same thing in dog training, how to teach a dog duration in the down and the bed and the sit is all very much the same. The three Ds, you know, duration, distance and distraction. And, you just apply them in different areas, but then it kind of works as well with like separation related training. So there's something that glues it all together. And I guess to announce like the topic of, of the episode, talking about goals and how to set goals, because it's, it's very much like what we we're talking about. It was kind of cool how we started the conversation was people call us so we can make a new normal for them. Mm. Well, then, well, what is, what is it that you want? And we've talked about this like a million times. Like, what do you want? I don't know what you don't want, but yeah. what is it that you what, want? What is a goal that you have for? you and your dog or like what is something that you particularly with like you know behavioral modification um what's something that you would like to be able to do with your dog that you can't do now Mm -hmm. that's a good way of framing it yes like simple thing like people with again we only see the two percent of dogs right um that that are either like i said proactive puppies or, or or you know owners who need help with their problem behaviors um I totally lost my train of thought. What was I saying? There? I'll carry it on. Um, I guess you're saying about um, giving them a goal and then telling them what you right. what, what is it that you want. So, like um, something as simple as let's say walking the Esplanade. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was getting, what I was going to say is like people who don't have dogs with problem behaviours. Everything that is working well in your life, whether it's dogs or anything else, is totally invisible. Exactly. The fact that the power is on right now, mm-hmm. that we can run this studio light, that we can power our camera, mm-hmm. all of that stuff, that this house doesn't fall down on top of us, like yep. that's invisible, mm-hmm. right? And it's only once the dog, uh, or you know, like once you can, like if you can walk your dog on the Esplanade, no dramas mm-hmm. at Cronulla mm-hmm. around dogs and other people, that's invisible to you. Yep. You don't go home and think, wow, that was that's that's amazing that my dog could just exactly. do that. Yep. But when they can't, mm-hmm. it's now, now it's visible. It's like, now I need to ha- have this fixed. Exactly. Well, like Alan Watts would say, you know, um, do you, are you aware of your shoe when your shoe is comfortable? No. You're only aware of your shoe if it's uncomfortable. Well, we're sitting on this couch now and it's, Comfortable, right? But so we're, feel. I'm not sitting here thinking, oh my God, how comfortable is exactly. this couch? It's just, background. which is a good practice to be doing, right? Yeah. To have that gratitude and yeah. to be like, wow, this is good to be thanks for all these things. And, and that's on a deeper path, I guess. Yeah. But, but it's kind of the same. You should be walking going, Hey, this is a good behavior. I like it. I should probably reward it rather than waiting for the dog to lunge and going, yeah. Oh, I hate it when he lunges. That's a big one, eh? Yeah. Like that try and pass that on to clients is like don't wait for the dog to i learned that from you like don't wait for the dog to make a mistake Mm. mistake right yeah quote unquote mistake but it's like use the opportunity when he's doing what you want exactly capitalize off that exactly whatever you reward you will get more of yes right in either direction and find out what it is that is rewarding because sometimes I don't know if I've said this before, but I've been saying it more recently is that not all reward, all rewards are reinforcements, but not all reinforcements are rewards. Mm-hmm. Like a reward with a food or a, or a ball or, or whatever or a pat 
but sometimes access to the smell and access to the park Release to play. Release the environment. All right. So, or like, yeah, before we went to go say hi to Shadow, we, she was like, no, nah, not today or not right now, but yeah. maybe later, et cetera, et cetera. So re- reinforcement is important to see because people teach their dogs to pull in the lead where they pull, 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 get to the smell or the dog or the person and the pressure goes away, right? So you have to be aware. And then I guess the first thing, that I'm going to kind of like add to it, which is in the notes here is like training is for the long haul. So it's mm. not like we're here to fix the thing. Mm. We're here to understand that training is something that we adopt. And another um, thing here is about it's adopting a mindset. Mm. Uh, it's not about just seeing it as I come, we fix it, we stop, we're good. Now, sometimes it is that way. Like the dog's scared of the doggy door. It's all I need to do is like everything's great, but he won't go through the doggy door. That's a little bit different. But then also I can always add more stuff to the person's routines. Like, does your dog know how to come when you call him or go to his bed or whatever? Like there's always something to work on. But some people are like, everything's amazing with my dog. You just won't go through the doggy door. I'll share a technique, a tip. Within five days, the dog's using the doggy door. See you later. It's all good. No, I'm not needed anymore. Mm-hmm. But generally, if the dog's scared of people coming over, then we have a whole bunch of things. Like we may be struggling with management, separation-related issues. The dog pulls on the lead and doesn't follow commands, doesn't know his place command in the house. So mindset is about looking at you got to think like a dog thinks mm-hmm. and i can't just come and go how do you not know how a dog thinks right <laughs> that makes no sense that, that will suck right or like now it's spring in in australia we're walking people are like the dog stop walking on the grass again like, because it's bendy's on the ground yeah but you don't know it talking about shoes because you what's you're, normal you're isn't it shoes, normal yeah. to walk through the grass we're like we'll take your shoes off and go walk through the grass i can see and it as soon as shadow hits a bendy <laughs> he, he starts, <laughs> yeah his legs go off a bit he, talking about bendy's Every puppy owner here, if you know there's bindies around, get your puppies on the bindies. And the only way you're going to get those little paw pads tough is by exposing him to stimulus instead of walking on just the concrete only. Mm. Get him used to different surfaces. Um, and I say that to my clients, we have to go, we have to move him. Like we're not making him Probably do Probably harder behaviors. if you buy, buy, if you get the dog during, I guess, you know, autumn through winter when there's not That's as true. many bindies. For sure. Wherever possible. Shadow doesn't seem to care. Like, I'll see him flinch a little bit, but he'll keep going. For sure. But, like, I try not to just drag him through patches of bindies. But that is just another thing on a long list of Goals. generalizations, yes. you know, uh, you know, stimulus mm-hmm. for a young puppy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like Kana's thing, like puppy bingo. It's like, yeah, w- what is... What is this dog's life going to be? Is he going to go to the park in the summer? Yeah, there's bindies. Okay, then he needs to be able to, like, mm-hmm. cop a bindi for sure. his foot without freaking out. Exactly. Right? And Nookie hates the bindies. Like, if she has the option, she'll walk around the park. Mm. But I will not force her, but I know she likes the ball, so I'll throw the ball. And it's amazing. She runs on the bindies. Exactly. So, is she willing to overcome whatever it is she feels, the pressure that she feels from the presence of the bindies, is she willing to overcome that? For that reinforcer. Exactly. But if it's just general walking, she won't find it valuable. Now, so in that case, like, you know, the, the hope outweighs the struggle, right? Like Pat would say, right? And that's, that's, that's what you want Mm -hmm. is that the dog is willing to go through whatever that pressure is to get to the reinforcer. And it depends on what it is that's present. So because she finds it reinforcing and rewarding enough to pressure to go through well it's like that negative reinforcement yeah because even i'll even tell her to sit where if there's bindies present and she will sit mm. but normally she won't because she's like oh i don't really want to blah blah but i guess not that that's like the biggest goal so the dog can walk on bindies but you should be listing these things down the next thing on the list here is trainings for the long haul adopting a mindset but journal your situation know that 
Well, the bindis may be a problem mm. for your recall training mm. because you'd be in the park, you're on the path, she's on the other side, you call her to come, she may not want to because she goes grass, bindis, I'll run around mm. and that may be on the road. And So, yeah, it can affect. So, I guess adopting the mindset of thinking, well, how can this affect me in other areas? Or, for example, journaling would be, or the main reason for journaling is to know where you're at because if you're doing training for three weeks, you don't see the like someone like me or you would look at the small little things. Yeah, we're working towards that. I can see he did a better here and we're nitpicking the smallest mm. little behaviors. But in a general, you're like, yeah, he's the same. And I think Narelle Cook on, on her um, podcast said it best. She goes, when she first sees a client at the beginning, um, first consult, she goes, how do you feel out of 10? They go, oh, I feel like a five out of 10. And then like a few weeks That's later, a scale. I yeah. Like that, yeah. And then she'll say, well, how do you feel today? Cause then she goes, oh, I feel the same as before. And she goes, oh, maybe like a seven. She goes, last time you said five. And it's like, damn, I feel we, that too. But like we were also saying earlier, like um, in terms of setting goals. So like a, a good way to reframe it is, um, okay, so you like, let's say you're a five out of 10 now. Well, what does a 10 out of 10 look like? Mm-hmm. That's your goal, mm-hmm. right? For sure. Can you define that? Mm-hmm. Okay. And now we can move towards Beautiful. that. Beautiful. Right. And now exactly. we have a, a set uh, point mm-hmm. to move towards. We're aiming towards. Over it. however many weeks, months, whatever it is. Exactly. And you know what? Some goals you may not even get to. Like, you know, in what Robert Sapolsky says about his dopamine jackpot mm. is that we will delay our dopamine schedule for even after death. You be a good boy, uh, yeah. you will go to heaven, right? <laughs> yeah. So that we've projected our anticipation for a reward even outside of this lifetime. Mm. So we are capable of that as a human. Mm. Our, we need to know, well, maybe I have goals for spades that he may may not be able to live to because like, you know, he's getting older and I may, not that I have much planned for him, but there's a few things that I'd like to do with him. If I had more time, I'd probably start because I have started doing some scent detection with him and he's been enjoying it. But since the new dog, I've probably like just kind of put that on the back burner a little bit. And since I mean, you do have three dogs. Three dogs, a baby. This stuff. So there's lots of stuff going on and I am doing a lot. Actually, in fact, talking about goals, we could talk about like what goals I have for Chile. Maybe that can give a bit of um, perspective, but a lot of things that I was doing with Nookie, even Nookie's had a little bit less training because I've been trying to prioritize, well, let's get Chili up and running and doing everything. Actually, in fact, yesterday was the best down he's ever done. So all of my commands are done. Yeah. Mm. Um, commands are in Greek. Mm. So, um, this is, for, we've talked about this before, right? Like, it, so when you see your clients, they don't, so you don't he doesn't get confused by the yeah. commands. Even with my other, with my dogs, if I say down, well, look, he does still respond to down. Down is my boring long down that nothing really results mm. from. But they're used to hearing it all day long with the client. And they hear it all the time. So things like that, where like now, if I can, if I say come to another dog, like if I had Nookie tied up and I said come, she'll, you hear it because she'll hit the end of the leash because she has a very, very good reflexive um, recall. But then that sucks because I'm saying come all the time and she doesn't come not every session, so it's not the worst. But with um, Chile, I say Ella, which is Greek for come, which means if I said come, he doesn't even respond to it, which is awesome. And um, But the other day, just yesterday, I had him in the down. I was walking with a puppy up in Cars Park and then I released him. And so he starts running towards me. I got to and while in full speed run, he like hit the down. So I marked it and threw the ball for him because, again, talking about goals, even though while I'm at work, I'm still obviously like on the side training him to do things and I want very reliable, fast, Mm. um, um, reflexive Mm. behaviors as well because, of course, we're dealing with a gamut of different dogs. And I had the ball ready. So, again, part of your goals is I want my dog to do a really good down. So let's talk about that. And for me, I'm going to just out myself and I don't journal. Um, I may video stuff and then look back and then that could be my journal process, but I'd – 
feel that I don't have to really specifically journal, and I would definitely benefit from it, but I want to journal my own life before I do the dog training. So yep. skills, hopefully, maybe you guys can keep me accountable. And in the next six months, I want a regular journaling schedule. And I think that's really good for our, just our mental um, health. But basically, I know where I want him to be. I want him to hold it down for at least 10 minutes. That's my, my first goal for him. And I want him to be able to be out of sight for at least five minutes of that. Yeah. I want him to be able to hold that down under mad distractions like any other dog. Now, of course, if a dog runs up to him, actually yesterday I told him to down in a different situation. He held that down. Um, and again, I gave the gato command, yeah. which is I may reward you with a ball, um, or a big jackpot. So he fucking holds that. And puppy's like sniffing around him, sniffing around him, sniffing around him. I marked him through the ball. Yep. So he even held it under that intense distraction. So I'm aiming at that 10 minutes under all sorts of distractions. Now I need to generalize the crap Sounds out of Sounds like it. he's got really good impulse control given his age. Really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's, um, he's super solid. But again, depending on like even week one or two, it looked, he looked very shaky with mm. those sort of things. That's why I drilled the first three, four weeks of just focus, 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 focus like so much. Um, and, and I've really generalized those commands because I knew which commands I, even before he came, I knew what I was going to use. Um, even though I didn't even tell him to down, um, until like three weeks in, mm-hmm. I started using the down command. So I didn't even ever, ever told him to down. Yeah. Um, if I tell him to wait, he will fully wait there. I have, I have tethered him most of the time, but I have been slipping a bit and just leaving the lead loose on the ground. And there's a few things there again, of course, working on it, but I'm looking at every interaction and not setting him up for failure. So yeah. those goals are there and, it's not about, well, how long until I get it? I can't even tell you right now how long. Um, and it'll be a disservice to him, to me, and to anyone else that even has to hear the answer to say, well, he'll have it in five months. Like, how do I, I don't even know that. It may yeah. take a year. It may take five weeks. Who knows? So. Well, the dog dictates the pace of the training, right? That. And then also how, like, you know, if I stayed on the same trajectory I did with the scent work with spades and nookie, I would have had a quite a good, reliable, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, place now, but my trajectory of that changed because of how much I was putting the work in. So, you know, there's so many things that affect our goals. And I think it's important that whoever's listening, you are wanting to take training to another level where it's like, well, I want to give my dog a job and a continual job. And I want my dog to be 10 years old and still doing a job or having some sort of mental stimulation. What is it that you're aiming at? Otherwise you do the same boring shit over and over I would, again. I would venture to say that anyone who's listening to this um, podcast Again, they're in the probably the 2% of dog owners. For sure. Um, whether or not they've hired a dog trainer, but just the fact that they're willing enough to set aside time to listen to something like this and, it, you know, they probably are setting goals for their, their dogs and that sort of thing. And like, for sure. We encourage that. Right? Well, like even goal setting is, is kind of slippery because we have goals, but like, well, are they, have they been written down anywhere? Mm-hmm. And me personally, every six months I refine my goals. Like my own life, I have personal goals which would be like mental, physical, spiritual, emotional. Yeah. But then I have another, on the other side of the book is like business goals. Like, yeah. You know, so, and then I'm sure I can like list my whole life of goals, but yeah. there's a good place to start and I always re- refine them. So my to-do lists should reflect baby steps towards those goals. And then what I do in my calendar should reflect those to-do lists because a to-do list is like train your dog to do that. Well, then how often are you setting aside to do training? Or like, I want to be fit and strong and whatever. Well, then like, how often are you working out? Are you like doing all the things that you need to do? Because it's great to have the idea. It's great to buy the supplements. But if you're not working out and using the supplements, it's no good. Your intention's there. But, and then also, even when you're doing it, are you even practicing the right things? Yeah. So 
I think it is kind of complicated and even we can plug all of this goal setting into anything that you do. It's not just dog training, but break it down to into baby steps, I guess, which was the next step. Let me have a quick look here. Next point here. That's a pretty hardcore phone case you've got there. Yeah, indestructible. I've dropped this phone so many times and not one crack. The best. New phone? The Otterbox. Yeah, I've got the S21. Oh, Otterbox. Yeah, they're good, yeah. good cases. Well, this is like the fake Otterbox. <laughs> um, I, I think I'm going to get the, the real one because it feels nicer. Um, so, training's for the long haul. Training, dog training is adopting a mindset. So think like a dog. Mm. Don't just impose your will on a dog going like, you know, you should not do that. Well, then technically, obviously not, because if you knew, then you shouldn't have not done it. So then we would say, you thought there was an opportunity for that. And where is it that I've slipped to make that happen? And et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And then not every single time it's even. Like, for example, my dog knows not to run at the front door and bark at the door. Yeah. And I'd say, well, maybe you practice it heaps, but in the last five months, no one's come to your door. Mm. So you haven't had time to practice it. So your goals have affected and that's outside of your control. You just need to adjust your goals instead of going, ah, it doesn't work. Mm. And it takes so much, maybe be more honest. It takes so much effort and I couldn't be bothered. Mm. When someone comes to the door, I just chuck him outside. And that's fine if that works for you. It's not training, it's management, but it's adopting a mindset knowing, well, I haven't got the opportunity to practice it now, so I will chuck him outside and I'll practice it for the next time. That's adhering to your goals rather than being sometimes do it, sometimes not do it. That's being inconsistent. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, journaling, getting to know your dog. So know your dog's behaviors. Like, and I think we're, I think we talked about patterns of behavior before, but like know what it is that he does and you know what he's going to do. We know that he chases birds and I put a video up on, uh, on, um, on my Instagram about, Chili, like stalking the, the plover, takes a step, takes a second step and doosh and runs. I'm like, Chili. So I'd done lots and lots of, um, name game. So I said his name. He snapped his head towards me. I called him to come. He came. I marked and I rewarded with the ball. So again, I had the ball on me and mm. I, I saw the bird. Mm. I know that he chases birds. So I know the dog. I also know that I want him to be able to come when he chases birds. So those are my goals that were already fully defined. Opportunity. Let's do it. Instead of going, don't chase the birds would be like a waste of an opportunity. Um, it's and the, I, the release to liberty. is It's such a powerful reinforcer, right? Yeah, well, there it wasn't because I call, I, he was at liberty and then I called him in. So, like, like the reverse. Yeah. Because... But that, like, as in the feelings he has towards that are so powerful, you'd be crazy not to... Oh, yeah, exactly. I know what you're saying. Exactly. And also, wouldn't that be like any other time? Like, for example, I'll share an experience. Last night, I went for a walk at night time... No dog, no friends, just on my own. I thought it was appropriate to spend some solid time on my own. And normally when you go to like a certain part of the park, there's like a really dark, like, like bushes that you just like walk through. And during the day, it's beautiful, but at nighttime, like no one really walks there. And even mates are like, oh, bro, like spiders. And oh, like, is this going to happen? And shit. And it's like, what are you worried about? Like, we're, like, we're in, we're, we're in Monterey and you're like, like oh, the bear's going to come and eat you. Like, <clears throat> anyway, I was on my own and it is a different type of, um, of feeling, but being in the big open field, there's a different sort of vision. So one thing that I think I was listening to on, um, Andrew Hubman talking about being in an open expansiveness creates lantern vision. Lantern. So you, lantern. So you're like, you're more peripheral because like the, because everything that is a possible of, of opportunity or threat is out there and like nothing's really right directly in front of you. So your lantern, that's why we can appreciate a view. Because it changes our neurology, it changes the way, like it puts us into a different frame. And again, this is nighttime and there was no moon last night, so it was like pretty dark. And then as I was walking, there's two big trees and there's like a little bridge and it goes into like the deep shrubs. And as soon as I got in there, I noticed like 
hoodie came off and my hat moved a bit because I was going into spotlight vision. And again, maybe um, I was like looking too deep into it or whatever, but I felt myself change because once you're in the shrubs, now you're thinking about what's directly in front mm-hmm. of me because it's a different sort of mind. That's why um, I think, what's his name? Dr. Carl. Um, he was saying how, you know, when you're in one room and go to another room and you forget, you go back to the other room, oh, that's what I needed to get. It's because going from one sort of environment to another, you're in the beach and then you go into the mangroves, into the bush. Each one of those environments it, it requires a different sort of vision, but also a different state of mind because different predators, different opportunities. So you change your mind. So going from one room, which represents one thing of your psyche to another room, you change mindsets and you're like, what is it that I needed to get? That was a cool little fact, which kind of ties in to what happened yesterday. Not that anything happened. Except for the fact that you, I was walking. It's a quite a long, long path, and it's really dark. And I was thinking, what if there's like some weirdo that's like here that could attack me, right? Yeah. That would be like a normal thought that anyone would have pitch black in like ten o'clock at night. And I thought, no, I'm the weirdo in the dark walking. If someone else saw me, that would have the same feeling as me going yeah. to someone here. And, oh. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, who's normal in that situation? Well, exactly. But then also there's an opportunity because. And I wrote something about this. I won't read it, but going into this dark space, what did it project to me was all of my insecurities and fears and anxieties mm-hmm. came to the forefront. That's what the darkness does. Yep. So anyway, my whole point of why I even talked about this really cool thing was that as I was asking myself questions, um, I turned around the corner and this little fox like literally walked up to me, like half a meter from me. And I just stopped and just looked at him and he looked at me. And he walked up onto like the tree and like peed on it and then just ducked off and like ran across That's the road. That's cool, man. Um, it was pretty nice. But, um, but most people generally wouldn't go, and even myself wouldn't go for that walk without a dog. And there's a different sensation when you have your dog with you. Not because, even if I had Nookie, not that I feel any safer with any of my dogs because, um, like maybe you do feel safer, but they pick up on things before you pick up on them. Mm. So you're a bit more pre-warned mm. and you feel safer, more secure. But yeah. on your own, it's like it's just you. Um, brings up that insecurity. And one thought that I had later was I chose to go into the darkest part of the forest on my own because I wanted the experience, but also a bit of solitude and like away from cars and lights and stuff. Yeah. And it was very nice and beautiful, but also it did opportunity for me to come to terms with some of my dark p- parts of my psyche because darkness will come upon us at some stage in our life and may as well become a little bit in tune with your insecurities while you're happy, healthy and strong. So when the shit comes, you're a little bit more prepared. I don't even know how that even like relates to what I was saying, except for the fact that we need to, um, let me just retrain my, my thought. Give me one sec. What was I looking at? Be, be really, really getting, getting to know, your dog. like get, get to know yourself, get mm. to know how you deal under certain pressure, but also practice these things that bring you out of your comfort zone because you think, Oh, I'll walk through the bush. Who cares? I walk right now while the sun's up. No one yeah. cares. But then at nighttime, same place, just a couple of hours later and there's no sun and it's a different mindset. How does your dog act in different situations? Yeah. As I was walking along a spot that I've never walked before in Rockdale, Bicentennial Park, there was ducks everywhere and Chili's like, whoa, 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 duck, 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 duck. And I'm like, op- that's right, opportunity. I'm like, opportunity, Chili, Gato, good boy. Okay, and I released him. Back to looking at ducks. Chili, he looked at me. Come. Oh, Ella, he came to me. Ah, I chipped and I threw the ball. He's like, oh my God, you have, you have the ball here too? Yeah. I'm like, buddy, I have the ball anytime I may give you a command. You have no idea. There's no context. I don't show him the ball. Yeah, I don't tell him. I don't even tell him you're ready for training. We do that when we're learning new stuff, but now I want to proof these commands. Training is not 
something we switch on and off. Training is 24-7. Well, there's always learning occurring. I guess when I talk about training is that you would say the learning phase, the training phase, and then yeah. the proofing phase. So, like, it's good to know, hey, we're doing training now. I typically don't like telling a dog, hey, we're doing training. Most dogs kind of pick up the picture. But I do like the dog to know that I give you a command, there's an opportunity for a reward. Everywhere and anywhere. Wherever we are, yeah. Exactly. And that way there, I purposely go into all the, and I guess I have the luxury of doing that since I'm driving around all of Sydney, the dog's with me all day, every day. I can practice it everywhere. And that's why I can get more rounds and repetitions in. It doesn't matter how long I've had the dog for. It's how many times I've had opportunity to do it. And talking about opportunities that you lean into these opportunities going, there's an opportunity to walk into the darkness for a random example. Well, that sets you up for the next time you need to walk in the darkness and look for your dog. Yeah. And you're not going to be scared about, oh my God, someone maybe he deal with the task at hand because you're not going to conquer fear. You can use your fear to be creative and push you forward. Mm. You, you, there's no, like even the SAS SEALs ask, get asked all the time, like, how do you conquer your fear? And he's like, we don't use our fear. You know, we don't, we don't, um, we don't turn our back on the fear. You use that fear as a powerful emotion to enter the, the gates and also keeps you alive, makes you know that you're, that, that you're, that you're human, right? So I think there's an important, op- um, important lessons in finding an opportunity for teaching your dog something. And then of course, if you want to teach yourself something, that's pretty cool too. <laughs> um, what have I got here? Um, be realistic about what you and your dog are capable of. Um, just because I got my dog to chase a bird and I say, come and the dog comes, I go, I'm going to try that tomorrow. Yeah. And it's like, your dog can't even come in the same park when there's no bird. How are you going to do it when there's a bird? So mm. be realistic where you are and be honest with yourself. Because, Set realistic goals. Yeah, and that's where that management comes involved. Like I took my dog off the lead and didn't come back to me. Well, why was your dog off the lead? Yeah. And if you choose to have your dog off the lead, then don't say the word come if that's your formal command. Because Unless you, yeah, unless you know he's going to do it. Unless you're you, definitely not in a position to enforce it. Exactly. Unless you're in that proofing phase and you feel like you can because it's you've been working up to it. But if you've gone from the backyard and then now into the park and then taking the lead off, you should be doing 100 repetitions with the leash on, even Long if you don't leash, have to hold yeah. it. Grab that lead, reel him in if you need to. Otherwise, you say come and he goes, I don't have What does come mean? It doesn't mean shit. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I haven't had to ever reel Chili in because every time I call him to come, there's an opportunity for that ball or a massive, like the rest of his food. So I've been existentially feeding most of his meals. So um, there's times where I'll call him to come and I'll mark it with the clicker and I just empty the food on the ground. He's like, oh my gosh, are you serious? And it came, and then that's why, and when I put the stories up about doing that little training session is that don't reward every time, especially if he hasn't done what you've asked. I said, I told him to go into a down and he didn't. So I said it to him again. I released him. But then don't bribe the dog. Don't go, look what I've got. You're going to do it for me. Because that's not training that's bribing in that. um, The order is so important. The most important. That's what I tell. Um, So the typical phone call is like, what have you done? What do you do when that happens? Right. Oh, we've, we, we have, we have a treat. And I'm like, so, so you're reinforcing that behavior, the bad behavior in -hmm. order to try and induce a better one. But actually you're bribing. The the, the order is so important, right? Yes. But again, they don't know what they don't know. And they're good on them because they've raised their hand for help. Exactly. So once they understand it, they're like, oh, right. Mm -hmm. The order is, it makes, it's night and day. Exactly. Whether that, you know, they do the behavior and then you produce the reinforcer Mm -hmm. or you showing them the reinforcer in Exactly. An effort to induce the behavior. It's completely different. That's right. 100%. Also, you need to be realistic about where you're at. So, learning these techniques, practicing them, being intimate with the relationship mm. of how you use your words. And, you know, um, 
and understanding that you're not going to get it all perfect. So that's cool, but be better than where you were yesterday. And that's where that journaling comes involved because you look yeah. back and go, Oh, he didn't do it last week, but he did it today. That's awesome because you need your dopamine hit yeah. because go back to that episode about when training plateaus. What do you do when training plateaus? Well, that's where your goals are important. I'm sure we talked about that there. Yeah. But, um, know where your dog capable of. And also what my dogs can do and what your dog, not your like, whoever's listening, mm. uh, may not be at the same level. You may not even require a, a one hour downstay. Like spades into an hour because I've trained it for so yeah, long. Because you and, put so much effort into it. And that. also I need it. It's practical for me. It actually makes sense for him to hold a long downstay because I need it. But like not everyone needs it. So you may not ever even attempt it. Or you may not ever need your dog off the lead. So then always have a long lead on. So then you work out wherever you're capable of putting the energy in, what you can maintain. And then also what your dog can actually do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's where everyone screws up their goals. They try to push it too hard. And that's something that right at the end here. And they get discouraged because they're like, oh, it didn't work. And Exactly. You s- better that you set like a proximal goal and then extend extend it as you hit as you hit each small goal. Exactly. You know? Exactly what was the last Or point. you have a big goal, but then you break it down. <laughs> Perfect. Right? Even better. Like a complex behavior, right? Yep. It's the same thing. Like. You know, you don't set this mount. You don't. You don't look at Mount Everest and go, oh, "I'm going to climb that in one day." It's like, no, there's steps. Well, you'd say, "I'm not going to get like I, I want to climb the top. I need to get to base one." Or yeah. Whatever what's it's called. what? Yeah. What is the first step? And then what's yeah. the next step? And exactly. then after that, and, and then before the... you realize it, you you have achieved the bigger mm-hmm. goal. But each goal, each step on the way to that was its own goal. Exactly. And there's a as talking about it's for the long haul. It's because. You got to enjoy the process of it too. And if you, and if you're not into that being your lifestyle, then just know where your limit is and stay there or take that time. And exactly. And I love that segue. You said like, you know, breaking it up, just like you have the goal, you have your to do list, then you have your daily duties. Mm. Um, like what's in your calendar? Like, Mm. oh, today I'm going to do some more work towards that thing. Um, which is one chapter which is on the to-do list, finish chapter one, but then the, but the goal is write the book. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not like, okay, today in your, in your calendar, fin- uh, continue writing your book. And it's like, well, it's like, no, continue finishing topic five. You know, like, so achievable. It's like, I'll do topic five. I did an hour on it. I feel good. Come back next week and do it again or whatever. But, um, Jordan Peterson says, he goes, a lot of people have those aims and he goes, aim lower, like have the goal, but aim a little bit lower. Because you keep trying to reach so high, you keep missing, you discourage yourself, you yeah. know, go for it. And there is a bit of a paradox we we're talking before we started recording is have high expectations because people who, are, who set high expectations are the ones who get the job done the best. And they're the ones that you see like the goats of, of, of all time. But also if you aim too high and don't get it, you lead to disappointment. If you aim too low, then you're only achieving bare minimum. You're not going out of your comfort zone. So there is a bit of a balance of, just enough where you can achieve it, where you get it, but then it's not about grasping it to keep it. It's just for the next step. Yeah. It's literally like a step, right? Yeah. You don't go reach up rock climbing and grab the one little bit and go, on, oh, I'm here now, and you just hang there because you're going to burn out. It's another one for yeah. the next rung. So um, don't aim too high, too quick. Look at it for the long term and have fun with it. It has to be enjoyable. Like you want to be black belt jujitsu, you got to enjoy doing jujitsu. Otherwise, if you're doing it just for a black belt, yeah. You're probably not even going to get there anyway, right? But also, it'll be like, or if you're forcing your kids, is probably a better example. You force your kids to do the thing. They don't enjoy doing the thing. They do it really shitty and they resent you for making you do it anyway. Where if it's something they enjoy and it's good for them and they can excel, 
that's where magic is is informed. And I think you have to love this as well. So that's about goal setting. I'm sure we can like do another five days on it, but I think it's a good place think, to end. I eh? think that'll do. Um, if there's any questions about goal setting or um, how your goals have been um, affected by listening to the podcast in a positive way, you know, let us know because um, I know that some of my clients who have been listening to the podcast before seeing is that they've been implementing some things going, look, well, we have these things and we put them up on our fridge and we want those things and we work towards them and collectively we all work on the recall once a day and we all do this and that and I think that's really cool because the dog freaking digs it. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't need to train Nookie, but I know that when I haven't trained her, I can tell when yeah. like a couple of days, you can tell she's flat, she's a bit upset, whatever. So we do it for relationship building, for teaching practical skills and for that mental stimulation. And goals is all about acknowledging the mindset of the dog. So anyway, any feedback, share on your stories on Instagram and tag us or DM us directly on Facebook or Instagram. And yeah, thank you for listening. Appreciate like, it. Like, share, comment, all that good stuff. Thank you very much, people. Laters.